You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. We will be this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. And before we begin, I'd like to take time and pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the privilege of being able to gather together collectively to worship you and honor you, Lord. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would work in and through your servants to accomplish his perfect will in us. And Father, I pray that you would illuminate this word that we might not only understand the history of your people, Israel, but be able to realize how they had turned from you and how ultimately they suffered a great consequence. And we pray, Lord, that we would learn from them and learn the importance of our submission to you through your word and that we might honor you with our lives. We just pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, there's 27 verses in this chapter, chapter 9. So I'm going to read the text, and then we'll start examining this passage. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Shish. Now it's pronounced, it looks like it's pronounced Kish, but the Hebrew would be pronounced Shish the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphiah, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice and handsome man, and there was not a man handsome, <clears throat> more handsome man or person than he among the sons of Israel." From his shoulders, he among the sons, from his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. Now the donkeys of Shish, Saul's father, were lost. So Shish said to his son Saul, Take now with you one of the servants and arise. Go search for the donkeys. He passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, but they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, or else my father will cease to be concerned about the donkeys and will be anxious for us. He said to him, Behold now, there is a man of God in the city, and the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. Now let us go there. Perhaps 
he can tell us about our journey on which we have set out. Then Saul said to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring to the man? For the bread is gone from our sack, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul and said, Behold, I have in my hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he used to say, Come, let us go to the seer, for he is the child of a prophet, now formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, let's go. So they went on to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the slope to the city, they found young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? They answered them and said, He is. See, he is ahead of you. Hurry now, for he has come into the city today for the people to have a sacrifice on the high place today. As soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for you will find him at once. So they went up to the city. As they came into the city, behold, Samuel was coming toward them to go up to the high place. Now, a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel, and he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this is the one who will rule, shall rule over my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. For as your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found, and for whom is all that is desirable in Israel, is not for your... <clears throat> For you and for your father's household, Saul replied, I am a Benjamite, the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my father, the least of the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then you speak to me in this way? Then Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and gave them the place at the head of those who were invited who were about 30 men. Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion that I gave you, concerning which I said to you, Set it aside. Then the cook took up the leg with <clears throat> what was on it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, 
Here is what has been reserved. Set it before you and eat, because it has been kept for you until the appointed time. Since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. When the day, <clears throat> when they came down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. And they arose early at daybreak. Samuel called to Saul in the roof, saying, Get up, that I may send you away. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went into the street. As they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Say to the servant that he can, might go ahead of us and pass on to, I will, that I may pass on to you, proclaim the word of God to you. Father, we thank you for this word, and we ask this morning that you would guide us in our study of this text. The uh, opening words of Samuel in one indicate that there's another transition in the, amongst the Israelites. In the first chapters, one through eight, this relates to the rise and rule of Samuel as first a priest, then prophet, and then judge over Israel, ending with the elders demanding a king like all the nations. In 1 Samuel 8, 5, And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. Chapter 9 begins a new section. In chapter 9 through chapter 31, by presenting this king who entry uh, parallels that of Samuel. This repetition reminds us that the book of Samuel, which deal with the question of leadership for God's people, the elders demanded a different kind of leadership from what God had given them through the judges. Remember, God, there was a three, uh, theocratic lead of the Israelites, and God led the nation in judges. Then the men were all appointed by God. The need arose. They would be appointed, and God would be the one that would choose and anoint the leaders. So when the elders demanded a different kind of leadership than he had given them through the judges, he appointed someone to be the first king to be reigning over Israel. So in 1 Samuel 8, 19 and 20, it says this, After the admonitions that Samuel gave the elders regarding the consequence of a king to rule over, rather than Jehovah as a judge that has given us a judge, they would essentially be reduced to slaves and servants and lose all they had. Their children would serve the king, their possessions would be used by the king, and their livestock would be used at the king's discretion. So this is what the consequence was of the people demanding a king. Everything would be given 
to him. So now Samuel is instructed by God to appoint a king to rule over them. This reveals, God reveals to Samuel that Saul, a Benjaminite, would be the one who would become king over Israel. Verse 1, now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Shish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeor, and the son of Bekorath, and the son of Aphiah, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. He had a son whose name was Saul, a choice, handsome man, and there was not a more handsome person among the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. So the first thing we learn about Saul is his lineage. He was a Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. The word valor translates meaning wealth or a man of means. He wasn't a valiant man in the terms of a warrior. This is not a very distinguished family tree. None of these names were part of Saul's lineage, hold any distinction in the Bible. Although Saul's father possesses a degree of prominence and wealth, they are not prominent in the Bible. Its namesake, Benjamin, was the last of Jacob's 12 tribes. From a political standpoint, Benjamin was the last of Jacob's 12 sons. From that standpoint, Benjamin was not a bad choice to provide a king. However, since a member of this tribe could mediate between the powerful tribes of Judah to the south and Ephraim to the north, he would have been just the right one, being from the tribe of Benjamin. The name Saul means asked for or dedicated. Saul was, in fact, exactly what Israel had asked for, the kind of person admired by worldly standards, the world admires someone who looks and acts like a leader. A choice and handsome man, and there was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel. The word translated handsome in the Hebrew, simply the word good. The point is that Saul made a very good impression in both his appearance and his stature. In a world where the values of physical stature are considered most important, Saul was one of the tallest in Israel, and he was the most handsome in all Israel. Actually, being the tallest of all men in Israel, the other enemy nations were known for their tall men. Verses 3 and 4. Now the donkeys of Shish, Saul's father, had been lost. So Saul says to his son, Take now with you one of the servants and arise and go for the donkeys. He passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalem, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. The irony of this process of choosing Israel king 
doesn't follow any logic. Here's a man that was the son of a wealthy man. He had not been a man of valor as far as he had no training as a soldier. He was just simply the son of a rich man, and he's tall and handsome. Saul and his servant looked in five different territories. Now, some of these areas are not really known. Uh, The land of Shalem, they did not, that wasn't known today where that area is. When they reached the land of Zuf, Saul was ready to give up on the search. He knew that they'd been gone too long. He was concerned about his father being worried, so he decided we better return. Saul's spiritual blindness plays a very significant role in all the events that are to follow. He wasn't a spiritual man. He didn't seek God in prayer when his father sent him out to find these donkeys. Now, we have to remember, donkeys at that time were very highly valued. They were beasts of burden. They could tow carriages. They could work in the fields and plow pulled plows, so they were very valuable. And losing them was a great loss, and that's the reason. But it wasn't uncommon for donkeys to get lost in this agricultural, with this country being mostly agricultural. Chasing donkeys throughout this land and not being able to find them was providential. God didn't want them to find them. So his plan was that he would meet Samuel, the prophet. Saul was very much engaged in finding these donkeys, and yet God's directing their paths, even as he's directing the servant of Saul. we reminded that God's sovereignty over the smallest details of our lives, whether there's conflict, whether it's our health, God is sovereign over our lives. Now, the servant answered Saul and said, Behold, I have in my hand a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. Verses 8 through 10. Come, let us go to the seer, for he is called a prophet, now formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. Now, a shekel of silver was a kind of a rough coin, and it was divided into four parts. So he had one quarter of this shekel of silver. However, silver was quite valuable during that period of time. So having a quarter of a shekel to offer to a priest would be, or a seer or a prophet would be a substantial offering. After deciding what to give the man of God, Saul and his servants set out to find him. And in verses 7 through 10, 
as we read this text, we see that as they went, verse 7, Then Saul said to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is gone from our sack, and there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have in my hand a fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God, and he will tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he used to say, Come and let us go to the seer, for he is called the prophet, now was formerly called a seer. Then Samuel said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went on to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the slope to the city, they found young women going out to draw water. It was very common for women to gather water for their households, and they would gather at a central place where there was a well. And at that place, these women explained to Saul and his servant that she did indeed know where the man of God was. So they answered, Is the seer here? They answered them and said, He is. See, he is ahead of you. Hurry now, for he has come into the city today, for the people have a sacrifice on the high place today. It was Samuel would make the offerings of sacrifice for the various cities that he visited. And then he would go up to Ramah, and he, where he had his home, he also had an altar where he also sacrificed. So he was visiting the people in the city. They were going to offer a sacrifice. Then he was going to return and go to his home and have a meal after the sacrificial offering was given. So this is when Saul finds Samuel. As soon as you enter the city, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes before he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up. You will find him at once. So they went up to the city. As they came into the city, Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the high place. Verse 15. Now, in a day before... Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel, and he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. Now this is important. God directly communicated with Samuel as a prophet. So God had revealed to Samuel, that he was going to meet a man. He didn't know what he looked like. He didn't know who he was. But God said, you will meet him at this time tomorrow. And this was the time where Saul now meets this prophet, Samuel. So this was all foreordained by God for him to meet like this. It was... In a search for a donkey, you would never think that a search for a king would be a man looking for his father's donkey, and he's the one 
that will be anointed as king over Israel. Verse 14, so they went up to the city, and as they came to the city, behold, Samuel was coming out toward them. Now a day before Saul's coming, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel, saying, about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him as prince over my people Israel. Notice God didn't say you'll anoint him as king over Israel. Jehovah God was the true king over Israel. And because they had not followed God's plan for leadership and would not allow the uh, continuance of judges, they demanded a king. Peter. Good question. Peter asked this. Why would Samuel go up to a high place to offer a sacrifice before God? It was common for Samuel to do so. However, all the pagan nations later would practice that same practice in which they would offer sacrifices to their idols. And they called it the same thing, going up to the high place and offering a sacrifice. So that was a good question because that actually happened parallel to God's prophet, Samuel. There were pagan nations at the same time offering idols a sacrifice. So it wasn't a compromise at all by Samuel. It was a practice that God ordained to do in the Levitical law. Good question. Thank you. So as we consider this, God had revealed to Samuel he was going to meet a man that he would anoint as prince. Doesn't call him a king, although he is going to be the formal king over Israel. God, Jehovah God, refers to him as a prince because he is the king. Verse 15 Uh, Excuse me. Verse 17. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this is the one who will rule over my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place. For you shall eat with me today, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. Now this is what the servant knew that Saul would, would, Samuel would be able to give Saul. He knew that Samuel was a prophet and he would know how to direct Saul. So even though Saul had no spiritual insight, He didn't even know about Samuel. And yet Samuel, it says back in chapter 1 or 2, he was known by all Israel. Samuel was a popular judge. 
as well as a prophet. The people loved him. However, when his sons were corrupt in the area that they were judging, then God said, go ahead and listen to the people. When the elders came and demanded a king, God says, give them a king. But this is what you will warn them. So this is all unfolding just as God had foreordained. My people Israel, as we continue in verse 16, from the hand, my people Israel, and he will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have regarded my people because their cry has come to me. Think of this. The people were rebellious. The Israelites were still worshiping idols. They did not want to follow God's law. So they rebelled. Then they rebelled against God's servant, Samuel, the judge, demanded a king. God listened to his people. Yes, there was going to be consequence of their demands, which he had forewarned them. But nevertheless, give us a king. That was their response to Samuel's warning that God gave him for the people. Verse 18, Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. This is pretty significant because what we have now is the prophet Samuel inviting a stranger, but it wasn't a stranger to Samuel because he was waiting for this man to come into his home. And not only to come into his home, but to be able to have a meal with him and with the other guests. However, let's read on and see what happens at this point. These words reveal God's faithfulness to his people. Even though Israel had angered the Lord in their continued disobedience, he rebelled against them. But when Saul came and approached Samuel at the gate, he was ready to welcome him, and he welcomed to his house. Samuel learned first that he was to anoint him a prince as a commander over all Israel. After Saul had met Samuel, Samuel invited him to eat. Now, Samuel addressed Saul in the singular, and as for the future king, Samuel pays respect and honor to Saul, who is to become this anointed prince. Samuel invites Saul to have a meal, which he would include Saul's servant. Then Samuel encourages and comforts Saul, also by offering to send him off in the morning when he would set his mind at ease by telling him that his father's donkeys were found. 
which would also be substantiating his prophetic office. This reveals that Samuel indeed is a prophet, and God speaks directly to him. Verse 20, As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found, and for whom is all that is desirable in Israel. That's a peculiar statement, which has also baffled Saul. Look at the statement again that Samuel says this. As for your donkeys, they were lost three days ago. Do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? There's kind of a convoluted evidence that he is going to have access to all that is in Israel in his position as king. But it was convoluted. It wasn't clear what he was saying to Saul. Saul responds in this way. Verse 21, Saul replied, Am I not a Benjamite, the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me in this way? This does display humility on Saul's part. He wasn't there to ask for anything other than to seek direction to where the donkeys were so that he could return to his father. Here, he is recognizing that Samuel has told him that all of Israel is going to be for you. Everything, the property, the people, the livestock. And that's why he replied this way. So he was recognizing from the tribe of Benjamin that it was the smallest of the 12 tribes, and he identifies that. Of course, Samuel already knew that. Then he asked Samuel, why do you speak to me in this way? Though Samuel's words promised a prominent and supreme power as king over Israel, Saul didn't seek this position. He was considering himself the least of the families of all the clans of Benjamin. Out of all the clans, all the families of Benjamin, he considered his family the least, even though his father was a man of means. Then Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them in, verses 22 and 23, brought them into the hall and gave them the place at the head of those that were invited who were about 30 men. Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion that I gave you concerning which I said, set this aside. The hall was a room that was attached to the place next to where the sacrificial offerings were given. This was up at the high place. So this place where the men who came that were invited guests, he sets them at the table, but Saul he sets at the place of honor. Out of all these other guests, Saul is given the place of honor at the table. Then Samuel placed Saul in the seat of honor along with his servant, 
as representing the king's officers of the state. And Samuel then ordered the cook to set before him a portion that had been reserved. This is significant, this meal. Saul was to receive the leg that was the portion of the sacrificial meat that was normally reserved for the priest. This was the shoulder of meat. The left shoulder was generally provided for the guests, but they provided Saul with the right shoulder. In Leviticus 7, verse 32, it says this, You shall give the right thigh to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. So why did Samuel give this right shoulder from the sacrifice to Saul? It was set aside for the priest. Here is the explanation that uh, one of the Reformed commentators gave. By Samuel offering this right shoulder to be given to Saul, which was a sacred peace portion of the meat that was belonged just to the priest, it may have been Samuel's portion by his prophetic authority to have assigned it to Saul, indicating that the priesthood would be subject to the royal power of the king. Which, whether that was so, this is the conclusion that several commentators came up with. In Kiel and Delich, in their commentary, they make this observation on verse 24. Samuel mentions this to give Saul, his guest, the understanding that he has foreseen him coming in a supernatural way, since Samuel had received this directly from Jehovah. In chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, Now a day before Saul's coming, the Lord revealed this to Samuel, saying, About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel, and he will deliver my people from the hands of the Philistines. So let's pick up back on verses 25 through 27. When they came down from the high place of the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof, and they arose early at daybreak. Samuel called to Saul on the roof, saying, Get up, that I may send you away. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went into the street. As they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Say to the servant that he might go ahead of us and pass on, but you remain standing now that I may proclaim proclaim the word of God to you. So now, as they are being sent back to their father's household, Samuel requests that Saul send his servant ahead. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to talk to him in private to reveal to him what God had revealed to Samuel. He was going to anoint him as king over Israel. Now, 
since Samuel had given Saul this seat of honor and the choice meat as his honored guest, he was actually recognizing that this was going to be the king. He would be the one who would receive this sacrificial meat. He was going to be the king over all of God's people, Israel. The roof where Samuel was provided a place for Saul and his servant to sleep that night. In the morning, as Samuel was escorted, Saul, as he escorted him to the gates, he pulled Saul aside, having this private conversation. Saul, go ahead, send your servant ahead. I have to reveal to you what the Lord has said to me. So he sent his servant off. Samuel had received this special revelation from God, directly from God, informing him that Saul was appointed as prince over Israel. Saul would become now the king of Israel. Now last week, or last time, we were going through this text, when God had spoken to Samuel, I was asked a question, and I don't know if I answered it fully. But God spoke to him. We, we asked, well, was it in a dream? It would have been audibly. God would always speak to his prophets audibly. For as much as we can gain from God's word, God spoke directly to his prophets. In fact, if you remember, remember back in the first portion when, uh, Samuel was going to be appointed as judge, and as he was also then becoming a prophet, he had a Christophany, where God appeared to him during the night. And of course, uh, Eli recognized that this was a voice from God, so he told Sam, Samuel to speak, return, to speak to God. So this was revealed to Samuel, and now he's going to give this revelation to Saul in chapter 10. So as we close, just think how sovereign, providentially sovereign, God was over all these events. The donkeys ran away. Was that common? Yes. Agricultural culture. Was it uh, common for a father to send his son and a servant to retrieve the animals? Yes. That would have been common. But wasn't common was that he was going to not be able to find the donkeys out of God's providence. Then he was going to be directed to Samuel, the prophet. And that point, he is preparing him for what he is about to become. So as we enter chapter 10 next time, we're going to see the anointing of Saul, the first king of Israel. This was a major transition for the people of Israel. Remember, we started out back in Judges when Aaron the priest was over and guided and directly spoke to God and was able to direct God's people. They had the law and the prophets, but they didn't listen. They didn't follow the word of God. They didn't want to follow the word of God, but rather they wanted to follow their idols. 
So as we think of this, think of the importance of God's word, his law. That's what they had. The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. That was what God had provided for them to guide them and to cause them to be set apart as a nation. At this point, there was no daylight between Israelites and the pagan nations. They were idolaters. They offered sacrifices to idols. And yet God now is going to answer the request and demand for a king. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.